three years of Triangle Squared. And a surprise reader mail. Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys episode Lucky 156. 156, which puts us at technically April 3rd, uh, which is Friday, if I'm not mistaken, is our actual three-year mark, but this means that this is at least the week of our three-year. Mm-hmm. So uh, congrats to you, Saul for doing this for three years. You too. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, of course, we are a PlayStation-based podcast and talk about everything uh, in gaming through the lens of PlayStation, but doesn't mean we exclude anybody. But to get this show off and started the right way, as is tradition, for three years, it's very important. Saul, what have you been up to and what have you been playing? Have you been doing any quarantine catching up with your self-isolating, or have you just been chilling? I didn't get to self-isolating this week. Well, I know that you had to work, but I mean, you know, outside of that, when you get home, you kind of can't go anywhere besides... That's that's me every day anyways. Essential. That's me every day anyways. Um, this week has been kind of weird. Um, Sunday, I played Dark Souls 3 with Corey for a little bit. We mm-hmm. did a little bit of co-oping. We didn't play it for too long. Um, but I hopped back into Destiny last night because Joe was playing. And yesterday, I was actually fairly bored. There's nothing really on my mind that I really want to play right now. And so all of yesterday, I kind of just watched JoJo's Bizarre Adventure all day. And um, I was like, you know, I see Joe playing Destiny. I'll hop in a party with him. And then Eric was playing as well. And then Gavin ended up hopping in. And so did Brennan. So like we all were playing. And it's been a long time since I played with that many people at once. We got, uh, we decided to go back into our clan and I renamed our clan to Crota's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> I saw. Yeah. So, uh, um, I was partial to the other name, but I also don't care because I don't play Destiny 2. I just like <laughs> the only thing about the other name is I like the other name too, but not everybody, uh, liked Bloodborne or knew what Bloodborne was, while everybody in our clan pretty much knows what JoJo's is. So it's kind of like, eh, might as well appease everybody. Well, I mean, if nothing else, it also just fits in. Even if you don't know what JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is, at least Crota's Destiny specific. Exactly. So, so it kind of worked out in a sense. But, you know, I, I did play that for about three or four hours yesterday. But other than that, it's kind of just every day checking on Animal Crossing, doing a couple things in that. And I did download the demo for Bravely Default 2, but I haven't played it yet. So I intend on playing that maybe tonight, um, but I don't know if I'll get to that tonight. Um, what have you been playing this week? I did not know there was a uh, beta, I mean, sorry, a demo for Bravely Default already. For some reason, I felt like Bravely Default was fu- like further off than apparently it is. They, uh, they Which, sh- I mean, it's not a game I'm interested in, so that's fair, but I mean. They shadow dropped it. There was a mini direct, mm-hmm. and there was a couple things that they shadow drops. Um, I think that they touched base on um, the remaster but god it looks almost more like a remake of uh, xenoblade, xenoblade. dude it looks good it May looks 29th. a lot better yeah I'm, I'm excited i will probably actually play that if if hannah will let me have my switch back by then <laughs> from animal crossing but yeah. yeah like they did they did announce a couple things and then of course there's something big that got announced early this morning uh slash late last night that we'll talk about that we'll talk about yeah. for sure <laughs> uh anyway for games i've been playing uh, i think i mentioned last week that i was playing wolfenstein 2 yeah or i was going to actually i don't think that i actually got around to by the time we recorded last week I had just gotten done with Terminator. So I started Wolfenstein 2 and beat Wolfenstein 2. Uh, really, I take it you liked that one more than the first. I did, because okay. I beat it. And yeah, I did that's, not that's, beat the first. That's, that was my whole um, uh, um, assumption there. There's something about the second that just felt 
better to me. I mean, every, in every aspect. I mean, there's still the same annoyances I had with the first one. Uh, but before I get into annoyances, I want to give the game the praise that I do think it deserves. Uh, first of all, really long just shooters are kind of rare these days. I don't uh, like that. Is it really long? I'm not going to say really long, but what I mean by that is like, it's probably 14 hours. That's hours. not bad, yeah. No, but you know, when, when a lot of shooter campaigns are within ten hours, and it, it's very rare that you get a, a shooter that's a little bit longer that doesn't necessarily try and do anything outside of being a shooter. Like I mentioned last week in Terminator Salvation, oh yeah, that it's a little bit more like a Metro game where there's more going on. Like yes, it's a first person shooter, but there's crafting and a bunch of other stuff. This game is not. This game is just a first person shooter more akin to like things that you'd see in the PS3 generation. And it does a good job at it. Um, one of the things that struck me, uh, and I can't remember at all. I know that you at least would have seen Seth playing some of them, but did you play Killzone two or three at all? Um, cause I know you played a little bit of Shadowfall, but I think you just played it here in passing. Was Killzone to a PS2 game. No, 2 and 3 are both PS3 okay. titles. So no, I've only played the first one. Though. Okay. So the first one is easily the worst of them all. That's what I've heard. <laughs> uh but that's okay. It's still an interesting game. Um either way, Wolfenstein clearly has inspired every first person shooter in some degree, right? But so much of Wolfenstein 2 just reminded me of Killzone 2 from the way that the, it actually feels. Like when you're running around, I think you've heard me say this before. One of my favorite things about Killzone, specifically 2 and 3, it was cranked up even more than it was in something like Shadowfall, is the sense of weight for your character. So like when you're running, like you actually see your gun like physically like bouncing, bouncing and there seems to be like a heft behind it when you jump and when you move and when you go in a cover it's not super quick and snappy and floaty like something you expect from a lot of games like uh halo is a good example of a game that it makes no sense to me why you are so floaty because let's just say you're a super soldier right so the fact that you can jump high is fine i can easily clear that what i can't understand is just because you can jump high why are you able to float through the air without consequence but I'm not trying to throw shade on it. It's just, it's one of the things that I don't like about a lot of shooters is their lack of uh, weight within the world, which makes them feel like you are playing a video game less than like, okay, I'm just kind of playing through the events of something else, even if they're kind of crazy. Cause kill, the events of Killzone and of course, Wolfenstein are quite out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Wolfenstein 2 just reminded me a lot in terms of style. Like, I feel like, uh, of course, the Nazis naturally, well, I guess I should say, Killzone stuff is probably naturally inspired by World War II and, and the Nazis and stuff and how they were, of course, way different from us. So the Helgen going with that red look and kind of being like that same kind of evil makes sense uh, in, in a way. But at the same time, so much of this game just felt and reminded me of Killzone 2 and 3. And I almost wonder if Machine Games kind of had that as an inspiration. If not, it just feels like it. I could see that because there's Killzone has always done that thing to me that like kind of like Star the new Star Wars did with like the New Order. It's kind of like this is definitely symbolism of Nazism. Sure. And yeah. and and Killzone the when I first played it the first time I'm like oh that's that's definitely what this is supposed to be kind of vibing with. Mm -hmm. But I guess it felt even more like it because at one point in time in the game you go to Venus in Wolfenstein too. That's weird. Yeah. Right. It is, but it, it feels like, okay, and, and a lot of what's going on in Venus feels like what you remember in Helgen, and the, the whole thing about Killzone 2 is that you go to Helgen, and the majority, really, the game takes place on Helgen, whereas Killzone 1 took place on Earth. Yeah. Um, so, either way, it was just interesting that those were there, uh, but I beat that, 
uh, not going for platinum, even though I enjoyed it. It's not like, you know, it, it's still, I guess my problems with it. And I wonder if you had this, cause it was in the first game clear as day and I could not stand it. Uh, the voice actor for Blaskowitz is perfectly fine when you're in the game and there's cutscenes going on. But yeah. what I don't like is that for some weird reason in the game, he's constantly muttering to himself and he sounds like he's trying to be from swing, like from Duke sling Nukle? blade. Oh, no, he just sounds, ooh, 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 oh, yeah, you're my baby and I love you. <laughs> and I'm just like, what? And the weird thing to me is like, I get that it's supposed to be like, kind of like a self dialogue, even though he is technically saying it out loud, but it's why does he sound so different? And it's like when he's talking in cutscenes, he's normal, full volume. Does, I mean, he still has the thick accent and all that, which is fine. But then the moment that you're just running around, even Hannah mentioned something about it. I was sitting there playing it and he's just going and sneaking around in vents and being like, Carolyn, give me your wings. Let me have him for real. I was like, is, is he trying to audition for the sling blade guy who says mustard and biscuits? It just, it bothered me. And it was kind of like, as the game went on, I got more and more used to it, but it still just was constantly there as an annoyance. But shout out to Machine Games, and I'll give Bethesda a, a win. I don't remember that game selling as well as I think that they they had hoped for, but it is a good game. Uh, and I, I do think that uh, I like to give developers and, and publishers prep um, props for doing something that's actually good and that was it uh, but quick on moving on to that uh, I don't know if you ever remember seeing the trailer for it but me and Blaze loved the reveal back at PSX 2017 there's a little game called Donut County yeah yeah, I remember that one yeah super cute super fun and relaxing I played it beat it and got the platinum and one of the things I love about that game is uh, of course it's a really easy play thing right even Kyrie was in there helping me every now and then just I let her take the controller and you're just moving a hole around and as you swallow things up it gets bigger so that you can swallow bigger things but what I loved about it is that that would easily be a game to be like somewhat like my name is Mayo or like one of the Telltale games where essentially you beat the game and you get the platinum yeah but instead and actually even to that extent uh most of terminator is that way there's only one trophy that actually took some work and you had to you could technically miss uh, but this game all the trophies were like extra things that you could go through and had to kind of do and i liked that it took you beating the game and if you got lucky you could get them on one playthrough if you followed a trophy guide yeah but i didn't so then i just started looking at trophies and being like oh okay i can do that i can do that and it was pretty quick to get the platinum but i just i appreciate when a game has an easy platinum but it's an easy platinum that still requires you to do more because that kind of platinum is like oh you're using the trophy the trophy list to extend the length of the game rather than just having it be complementary to the normal length of beating the That's game. That's actually kind of cool. I like that idea. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I'm not done with it yet, but I started Concrete Genie, and I'm probably on Chapter 4, maybe Chapter 5, the way that it breaks things up. It's kind of hard to say. Uh, I did the Densco. I just got done with the Densco Electric. So for anybody who's played the game, you probably know uh, what I'm talking about there. Uh, I think it's Densco Hydroelectric, something like that. I can't remember. Um, but, dude, that game is incredibly cute. And one of the things I like about it that I, I I don't know if you had any interest in it. I know that you know what it is. Yeah, I know I'll pick it up eventually, but um, it's on sale right now for their Mega March thing, half off. So it's fourteen. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it fourteen dollars. Yeah, fourteen ninety nine, and it's totally worth that. I mean, it's, it was worth the full thirty two. Now that I'm playing it, um, what I love by it is that you know when you can occasionally see a game that like you look at and you're like, it seems like it'd be inspired by this in a way, but at the same time, it's doing something totally different. What I love is that. The idea on paper is kind of like, oh, 
okay, so paintings on the wall that can move along the wall and within the confines of the wall and how you can connect. Okay, so that's essentially not too far from like Zelda Link Between Worlds. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that actually when you're talking about it. But what I like about it is it's almost like it goes, hey, that was really cool and we love that idea, but what if you flipped it on its head and instead of you going into the wall and dealing with the wall's limitations, you paint in the wall and then the wall creatures help you do stuff. So it's the same thing. You know, in Zelda, you're using the wall thing to to solve puzzles. In this one, you do the same thing. You, there are puzzles that are based around uh, getting the people where they need to be, the little genies, as they're called, and getting them to do what they need. And there's different genies for different occasions. If you need one to burn down a cloth so that you can go through something, then you can have one that's a fire sprite. You can have one that's like electric, and it can go to electrical boxes and touch it and activate electricity. So it's kind of like puzzle solving using elements that you can paint for. Exactly. Paint to make. Yeah, you paint a genie that inhabits that element and you can go through and you unlock more as you continue to play. So I, I love that. It's really cute. Um, it's actually, you know, it's, it's one of those using games to talk about some heavy subjects. So there's a lot of stuff that's dealing with like, it, it, it uses a rundown town as an example. And you look and it's like, well, the town is run down because of all the negativity and crime that was going on within it. But a lot of it, you start seeing like these kids that are bullying you. And once you have this brush, the kids are bullying you and trying to take it away, but each time that you touch the brush while they're touching the brush, both you and the kid who was trying the bully both see like his past and you understand why he, you start to understand why he is the way he is. And you kind of start seeing this about the whole town. It's like the whole town was run down by a bunch of people just delving further and further into negativity and, and hmm. unfortunate incidents. So it's cool. I really like it. Uh, of course I'm not done. I'm sure I'll see more and more, but, um, yeah, really cute game. So, uh, but I think that that is about it. Uh, I do plan to do some more, but I don't know exactly what my next game is with Final Fantasy coming. Since you're waiting, I I don't. Are you just gonna keep playing Destiny or yeah, something? Kind of whenever I'm bored. Yeah, like right now, there's not a lot out. Like next or not next month, but May, I'll have Xenoblade, mm-hmm. um, Last of Us, and. Um, for now, it's just kind of like playing Animal Crossing. I'm still kind of going through Octopath Traveler a little bit. I haven't played any this week, though. Um, there was something else that was coming out recent or more recent that I think it might have actually been Shadow Dropped um, from the Nintendo Direct, but I can't remember what that would have been. So right now, you just Switch Heavy. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I was... Dang, I can't remember what I was going to say. Um had to get that drink of water in. Uh, <laughs> That's what it oh. was. Panzer Dragoon got shadow dropped. Oh, yeah. And that is, I'm glad that they've confirmed that it is a timed exclusive because I don't know that I'd want to play that on Switch. Yeah. I don't, I'm unsure right now. A lot of it was priced, but it looks like it's only $25. That's better price than any game on Switch so far. <laughs> it actually looks pretty good. Um, I know what I was going to ask, though. Uh, you, you talked about Last of Us in May. Um, with all this stuff going on and more and more, like Sony has pretty much said all the worldwide studios and all the Sony people are urged to work from home, and they know that that is going to have an impact on things. And right now, they're not ready to announce anything, but you know they're looking at um, any kind of delays that may come from this. Do you have any inclination of whether or not you think there'll be a delay for The Last of Us 2 or even potentially Ghost of Tsushima? as they will not be able to do the same level of push and polish that they normally go for in these last few months before gold? Potentially. Um, I would think that here two months before launch that they would have things mostly wrapped up. I think The Last of Us has less of a chance. Yeah, now Ghost for sure. But I Ghost could, I could feels like... I could definitely like... see Ghost getting a delay. 
Um, as a matter of fact, if Ghost doesn't get a delay, delay that would be the first Sony game that did not get a delay this 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 generation almost, right? <laughs> Detroit, Spider-Man, God of, wait, God of War didn't get a delay, did it? No, God of War did not get an announcement for a release date until like a month before it was coming, to be fair, but yeah. So yeah, that's, well, no, it was, it was launched, it, it had a release date at the E3 it was showing it, wasn't it? No. It didn't? Okay. No, no, no. Uh, and I don't think, th- did Spider-Man have a delay? I don't think it did. I think it was always September. Um, I thought Spider-Man did get a delay. I thought it was originally slated for April. Maybe. Or I'm thinking of something else. I, man, I don't know. That's maybe, a good question. Maybe so. Um, the thing about Ghost, though, do you remember at the time when they first talked about The Last of Us 2 being delayed, uh, that it internally pushed back another game? I wonder if Ghost does go ahead and come out because it was already further along than they thought anyway. You know what I mean? Like, all the extra time they're getting for the release date is just like, hey... Any extra push that you can do for any extra level of polish, just go ahead and get it done because we don't want to release the game stacked on top of each other. I could see that happening. Uh, another game from the PlayStation 4 that had that kind of happen for it was Ratchet and Clank. The mm-hmm. Ratchet and Clank game was done well before it needed to be done. And since the movie got pushed, they, of course, were lo- going to launch with the movie. So it was kind of like they just had extra time to go through and bug polish and uh, everything like that, bug remove and polish. So that's cool. Um, okay, I think it's time before we break into the little bit of news. I'll go ahead and say news is going to be pretty short and sweet. Um, not a lot happened this week, as you can tell. There's a lot of stuff going on. So a lot of near. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, at least I should say on the PlayStation side. Of course, uh, Nintendo had their oh. little mini direct, so they had plenty of stuff come. Community's take. Yeah, that's exactly what I was about to get into. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so the community's take is uh, from last week's episode. We said, when do you expect PlayStation to give more information regarding the PS5? What would you like the next drop to cover? The console and controller's looks? How backwards compatibility will work more in depth? Price and release date? Games? What? Um, and had a couple of responses on here. So over on Twitter, I'll get the first one. Uh, Shadowist, one of our longtime listeners and patrons, thank you, man. He says, games, games, games. I'd also like them to clarify backwards compatibility because they really have no excuse at this point to not allow you to play older games. I don't really care how the console looks unless they do a special edition. I'm also curious about a pro and a standard version, uh, which is something we've talked about in the show a number of times, is whether or not we think that's going to happen. Um, I don't know about you, Saul, but I don't think that Sony's going to do this. And I think that people think that Sony's more likely because people are looking at the Series X and then the as currently unnamed, but people are calling it the Series S. um, The Lockhart. The Lockhart uh, for Xbox. I think that this is... I think people are looking at that as like a, a normal version and then a pro version with the Series X being the pro. But what I really think is happening here, I think the Series X is the actual console. And I think the Lockhart and the Series S is for Microsoft almost like what, and they, they teased this years ago. They mentioned that going into next gen that they wanted to have a game, a, a, a kind of bare bones system. Almost like what the 2DS was to the 3DS. Kind of. A cheaper alternative that can, that can play the games almost almost the same. Yeah, but you know they talked about having a streaming box. So with xCloud coming and being such a big thing, they could have a system that's weaker and can still play games natively, but it can also tap into the streaming software of cloud and be a cheaper way to get in the door. And you can get a very similar experience to the Series X, but just streamed. But you can still play plenty of the games in a lesser version on the Series S. Um, 
And I could see that being totally feasible. It makes sense. I think it would get the price down considerably. It could still give you something to play there. But I don't necessarily view that as a pro and a standard model or like a, a mid-gen refresh and a normal one like what happened. It's not like the Xbox One to the Xbox One X. It's more just like the Xbox One. It, it's almost like it's the Xbox One X to the Xbox uh what is it? What was it called? The SAD, the Xbox One S All Digital. Yeah, it's almost like it's that. Which you don't really view those in a different light so much as you look at them because the One X was already out by the time the All Digital came out. It was almost just like, hey, if you want to play Xbox in a much cheaper price and with some caveats, then here you go. And I think that that's what they're doing here. They're just doing it at launch so that they can cover a bigger base. I don't think I see PlayStation doing it. Definitely now that we know that they're that their power is a little lower. It seems like PlayStation may be aiming for a lower price point, but we can't say that for sure until either of them put a price on something. Yeah. So if you had to put a guess on it, what do you think uh series X is going to cost? Five ninety nine. That's where I'm at. And I could see with PlayStation, the way they're choosing to do things, uh, it depends on how much that proprietary, well, I shouldn't say proprietary, but their custom SSD they're doing, it depends on how much that really cost them. But I feel like they're aiming for a four ninety nine. Yeah. I don't think we'll see a, I don't think we'll see a, um, a pro version of a console or even a lesser version for at least a year and a half to two years out. Oh, do you think Sony will try and do a lesser version? Well, if they do a pro version. That's why I said pro and lesser, because pro for them, lesser for Xbox. I could see that. Do you think Lockhart won't be at launch? No. Absolutely not, no. I we, could see We that. would have already had specs and stuff for it if it's coming this year. True. We would have already had probably a showcase since before we even got specs, or in the, in the same video we got specs, and we got an entire teardown of the Series X. Yeah. Which yeah. is really weird. But yeah, I actually appreciated them doing it that way. Um, But also on Twitter, uh, our good buddy not... Matt, not Matty, said, guessing uh, the thing we'll see is the console itself and maybe a couple of demos around launch titles. I'm guessing it'll probably be shown late May or June time. Uh, all depends on just how long this virus is around for, which is also a very, a very strong point. Because as long as the COVID is, is up and alive and, and at full strength, then stuff like this could very well potentially be delayed even further. It's hard to say, though, because clearly news on game stuff has still just been going. So I could see it having a delay on something that's coming, uh, like around this time, though we still haven't seen that. Like, you know, I could see it having an effect on, like we talked about, like Ghost of Tsushima. But I don't know if they'd be coy about revealing anything about the console unless the reason they push it is that they become less and less sure of whether the play whether the console will hit 2020 i guess that's the only thing and there's a question that someone asked us uh just to go ahead and say that uh with our three years and celebrating three years of the podcast and how tech heavy the last episode was we decided that for this episode we're not going to worry about any kind of main topic we're just going to knock out a couple of news things that are quick and then just do a impromptu uh, reader mail as we've not had a chance to you know we're still waiting on kind of getting our schedules wrapped up and knowing that we can do it before we come back in full force but um yeah i could see that i actually think may or june myself but the reason i thought that is it kind of made sense to me to do it either like two weeks before the last of us part two or two weeks after kind of in between the last of us and ghost where it's like hey here's the last two big ps4 games but also here's the ps5 and more about it and maybe some games so. Yeah, I mean, I, I I could see that. I could see a majority of this stuff uh, that people are saying, or, or even uh, not a majority, but a mixture. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, over on Facebook, which I know Saul doesn't have, uh, Mr. Danny Candyman Villobos, he's one of our patrons as well. He says, definitely need to see what games are going to be there at launch. Don't have a lot of confirmed games for PS5 last I checked. Price would also be a nice thing to see. Uh, I was a little surprised that uh, across the board, less people, I shouldn't say I'm surprised. In a way, I get it. Less people are really worried about what the console looks like, which is the only surprising part. But I expected people to want to see the console and the games. But it seems like more than anything, people just kind of want to see the games, which is good because, of course, a games machine is made to play games. Uh, But that makes sense. Uh, Over on uh, the Discord, uh, Mr. Josh Ayers, one of our patrons, says, I'd say middle to end of April. It's after Final Fantasy VII and before The Last of Us and Ghosts. So they can show them... I do think it should be everything. Price, box, games, controller, backwards compatibility, blow out everything we need to know heading into launch. Then throughout the year, you can drop trailer info on the games and more of the lineup for launch and release window. Okay. And then lastly, we got one more from Mr. El Tabib. He says, with everything going around the coronavirus and people getting laid off, I doubt it will be anytime soon. So I won't be surprised if the news drop about the PS5 in May when hopefully this calms down and better controlled. I think by then it would be wise for them to just drop all the info about the console at once, price and all. That's the big thing I've been unsure about this whole time myself, personally. I don't know because Microsoft hasn't really done this either. I don't know if any of them, if either side is keen on releasing everything, including price all at once, but Saul help my memory. Cause of course I, I feel like I'm right, but you might remember and, uh, and be able to confirm most of the time, Sony and Microsoft have not done that, but Nintendo, when they came with the switch, the switch announcement had what the console looked like, what the games were for the console, what the launch window games were and launch day games were. And the price. And the price. Yeah. They gave us everything. But, to their credit, we also knew probably 70% of the information in regards to the Switch from leaks before Nintendo ever set a peep. We already knew that it was going to be a console that was a hybrid between being a handheld and going to the TV. We knew that it was going to be a bigger tablet style thing, though we didn't know exactly what that look was going to be like. So I almost wonder if Switch did that because they knew that the leaks were just uncontrollable. So at some point it was like, I just dump everything. Technically, Etika, uh, rest in peace, he had a 3D printed Switch that looked identical to what the Switch looks like like a week and a half or two weeks after the uh, original reveal. Somebody had printed a Switch for him and sent it to him. And he acted like he had a real switch and it trolled every single person in his chat because he started freaking out. And he was like, I'm just going to show everybody I'm going to get ba- I don't care if I get banned that I have one early. And like there was like pictures later online. Like I think of the guy who made it that showed how like what like up close you could barely tell it was 3D printed. And it was so very close to what the actual switch looked like. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, man. Seeing stuff like that, you know, it's it's. And again, you get to see the box of that, but what, what I don't feel like really happened for the Switch, but it did happen for the Switch Lite, is what we're seeing happen right now for the PS5. So since Microsoft came out of the gate of the first thing that they showed being essentially the console's look yeah. <laughs> more than anything, um, 
Whereas Sony didn't. What are you seeing right now? You're seeing millions of people just doing, hey, here's a mock-up of what the PlayStation 5 looks like. Or here's my hope of what the PlayStation 5 looks like. And I feel like we didn't really see that much with the original Switch, but we did see it with the light. Once the light started getting rumored, people were like, this is what the light's going to look like. And there was a lot of really interesting designs. Um, but that's kind of fun. I know that sounds weird, but I actually like seeing all the different renders for what the PlayStation 5 could look like. Just mainly because it's like, oh, this is just interesting to see where someone else's mind takes that design standpoint. But Yeah. Um, I don't like taking any kind of water with those, though, because I'll oh, end up no. liking one more than what the design comes out and, be, and is revealed as what it really is. I'm sure. like, oh, man. Sure. Uh, the one that I'm actually somewhat partial to right now is the one that looks like it stands up and, and it kind of looks like an X, <laughs> weirdly. Oh, see, I don't like that one. That I, has the little... And the reason, the only reason... If it was that shape without the cutouts, I wouldn't like it. But since it's like the back leg is behind the other two layers and the top part is in front of it and they're on different sides, I like... I guess I just like the style. From I don't know that I'd like to see it literally in my TV, but the render looks good. See, I like the one that looks like a slate, and it's like a uh, it's almost like a slate that is angled. Yes, yeah, that's my favorite one. It has yeah, all yeah. it has somewhat rounded corners, but not like super uh, super rounded or super uh, cut. And it's it looks very nice. It looks yeah. very sleek and minimal, and that's what I like about for sure console designs. I right, saw. So we're gonna ask ourselves a question. What do you think? What What do you think we're gonna see? next not when i think we do you kind of agree with the may timeline i think uh, yeah i said may last episode okay. that, that i think that's when we're gonna so get. what do you think we see next i though, think we real? see the console itself next here's what i predict what this will be we'll see the console the controller the price and then it will be a uh, the rest of the video will be gameplay and explaining how uh, godfall is because it's gonna be a launch game I could see that strong partnership game and saying, Hey, without having to get into what our first party are doing just yet and not overshadowing our other games that are coming. Instead, we're just going to be like, Hey, here's all the information about the system itself. But instead of pulling your hype away from the games that are coming right now for the PS4, we're going to show you a completely different game. Yeah. And it's going to be that way. It's, it's a, it's a day one game. It's, it's going to be a games as a service style game. It's going to be a pretty easy game for them to show off. And I think that's what it'll be. Do you think Godfall will be full, like, Life of the System exclusive? Or do you think that that'll be a game that has a, a exclusivity window? Probably going to have a window. Games, I feel like g- it, too. G- games with a service, unless they, in my eyes, unless they plan on that game for lasting less than two years, mm-hmm. that they would not put it on a single console um, and not know if that console is going to be successful or not after putting this much work into a game. True. I think for me, the the reason that I think it's going to go multi-platform is primarily from the fact that it's in, it's in partnership with Epic. So it, it, it'd be different. Like Gran Turismo Sport is technically a games as a service game, but I see that being exclusive for either well, that's, the that, life of the console, but that's because it's from a first party studio. That, that's different too, because and that still could come to PC. It is a first party. Fair. It is a first party studio, but it was also made in the, in the lifetime of which the PS4 had numbers that backed it up and, True. People were playing. True. Um, Doesn't have the same risk factor that going into a new console does. What was that? It came out on PS4 launch or a launch window. It was free to play and it was a shooter. Blacklight Retribution. That game was. The game died so quickly. Very quickly. <laughs> and I think that. And I think that is in my head why God like that came to my mind with that Godfall question is because it wasn't exclusive. It was one of those that you. It came out near launch and there was not a whole lot of people playing it and it was kind of buggy and that kind of killed its lifespan. I mean, that it might have been a, a console exclusive, but I, I don't think that was. I on do Xbox. think, it, yeah, I do think it was on PC. Yes, that's right. It was on PC and PlayStation Four. Yeah. Now, weirdly enough, another game that came right alongside Blacklight Retribution, or at least very close to it, uh, Warframe, 
And Warframe, yeah. as you know, is still going so incredibly strong. So. I really want to download that on Switch just to see how it plays. I actually wondered about that, too, because the game is no slouch visually. So it, oh, no. it is hard to imagine it running on the Switch. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. All right. Um, I'm going to go ahead in the news? and hop into the news real quick before we get into these questions. Um, and you know what? We said, excuse me, we said that if you wanted uh, reader mail to come back, we needed lots of questions. We needed a thing. Now, I, this is not going to be the only measurement of that because I did it a little later than I intended to because uh, I've got stuff going on, of course. Uh, we'll work do, we'll was do, weird, but... We'll do a couple more episodes of this where this is the main topic, and you may see... Um, we just want to make sure like that we're Monday, getting questions. Yeah, on Monday, you'll see a, a tweet go up or Discord go up, and then you'll have five to six you'll have six days technically seven if you count monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday saturday do you want to do that so as the next days. episode uh or do you want to yeah, do i guess do, well, do you want to do every other stagger them that way where we have this one and then we a, could a normal stagger them. yeah just we'll do see. that and just so we can get just some to make, uh reading. just to make sure that because you know as we said uh reader mail really went away because there was a lot of loser or uh, user interest that that became it was always the same three or four people and it was, which I'm not complaining about because I love those people, but um, it never had a lot of user engagement. And it got to the point where Donovan was having to ask us 100 questions in an episode to, to, that's to, to make content. That's who he is. I put this up. Guess what he did? Oh, God. 100 questions. <laughs> bank them. That's what we'll do because then, then we'll have 100, 150 <laughs> episodes worth of reader mail. Uh, anyway, yeah, but I, I get what Saul's saying. When you, have, uh, you know, when you have personal schedule issues that come up too, uh, when you have what feels like slightly lesser interaction, it does kind of the want to push past the scheduling issue and find another way when time is already so valuable is kind of hard to to figure out, you know. So I don't blame him, it, and I think that when we took a break for reader mail, we really needed it at the time. So, but I would love to see it come back, but I don't know if it'll ever come back bi-weekly. I think that was a little bit of a too much. I think that we needed to come back with it monthly. Yeah. And that's probably what we'll do. But anyway, uh, going to hop into the news real quick. So the first thing that Saul has mentioned a couple times, and of course is the most important piece of news on here, as is uh, de- decided by me, <laughs> uh, is uh, during Nier's 10th anniversary stream that we talked about a couple episodes back, uh, what I anticipated and what did happen is that an upgraded version of Near Replicant, uh, the Japanese version of the original Near, for anybody that doesn't understand that wording, because there was Near Replicant and Near Gestalt in Japan, and those were two different. Uh, they were almost the same game, but with a different perspective. Near Replicant is from the perspective of the brother uh, of of uh, Yona, and then. Near Gestalt is from the father of Yona, aka uh, Near Daddy, as well. Da- Daddy Near, yeah, yeah, Near Daddy. That's what I call him too. Um, but just so you know, and then whenever the game came west, it became just Near, and we got Near Gestalt, but they didn't say that we got Near Gestalt. But anyway, uh, with refreshed, uh, oh. Square consider it, sorry, to be more than a remaster, but not quite a remake, with refreshed voice work, re-recorded music, as well as new tracks from composer Ki, uh, Kaichi Okabe, alongside what sounds to be new content in the way of new characters, and potentially another ending being added to the game. Uh, the game is being developed by Toy Logic, but with Nier Automata's senior game designer Takahisa Tara from Platinum Games being involved in some capacity. No release window was given, but seeing as it was announced for PS4 and Xbox One, this is one of the things Saw earlier asked me, was there a release date I mentioned? Because, uh, of course, this happened in the middle of the night. So we're <laughs> I was at 3 o'clock in the morning, saw this, and said, what? But um, as of right now, there was no release date given. 
But with them aiming for PS4 and Xbox One and, of course, PC Steam, um, it seems to me like this would be something Square would be keen on releasing in fiscal year 2020. So I view this as similar to Drakengard 3, which I know you didn't play, Mm-mm. but Drakengard 3 came out in 2014, uh, around March. So it was in the first quarter, and so the end of the fiscal year, um, if I'm not mistaken, for Japan. I think their fiscal year ends in March, if I remember correctly. Um or I might be wrong in thinking of our companies. But regardless, the game released about three months after the PS4 came out, which is reasonable. Um, and I could see that being the same here. Either it comes out before the system's due at the end of the year, or maybe it does creep into 2021, but with a pretty early release date within 2021. So we'll wait and see, but I'm definitely curious about that. I do, um, I do not know that Drakengard in Japan means drag on, drag on Dragoon. Dragoon. Yeah, it's, well, it's just a name that they chose. You know yeah. I mean? But it is a... I, I like Drakengard because it sounds cool, but yeah, Dragon Dragoon sounds kind of cooler, if I'm being honest. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we also learned that Nier Automata has shipped over... Oh, sorry, I skipped one. We also got word of a new Nier game, uh, though not a fully-fledged console sequel, but rather a mobile game titled Nier Reincarnation, similar to some of other Square's... Uh, some of Square's other mobile titles. It will be free to play with optional microtransactions. I view this as something that I don't think you played this because I don't think that you would really want to. But Kingdom uh, Hearts, un- Kingdom Hearts Unchained or whatever key. Yeah, no. Do you play it? Okay. No. I, I downloaded it. I think I played like ten minutes of it, or not even that long. Of it's it. not a bad game, but no, it's, it's, it's just, the same pitfalls of all mobile games. Like it just has you grinding through pointless levels and it drains to your eventually battery. get. Uh, one little snippet of story before going 30 more levels and then you get another snippet Or you can pay 99 cents to skip those 30 levels. I don't think that you can, actually. Not, maybe not Kingdom Hearts, but that's every other mobile game. <laughs> but what you can do is buy the little card things and get cards that just have you fly through the levels. And speaking of mobile games, I want to let you know we were sponsored by Raid, Shadow Legends. <laughs> you know what? I wish, just because it'd be a little extra money $9, for the show. $9,000. That's, that's $4,500 a piece. <laughs> Don't uh, throw a chunk of my car off. <laughs> if only, if only, right? Uh, lastly, though, as I mentioned earlier, or I started to get into, uh, Nier Automata has been announced to have shipped over 4.5 million copies, which is, of course, just continuing the game's success and being what I would imagine is the driving factor in Square's renewed interest in the IP. Because, of course, with the original Nier being 2010, so 10 years, um, when you're when you're dealing with that, you don't let a, a franchise that you think has a lot of potential lay dormant for as long as they did. Uh, so I think Nier Automata was definitely the uh, the breath of life that both the series needed and that Platinum Games needed. So it was good that they could be that for each other. You know, That's good to hear. A uh, couple other things, and then like I said, it's not very much. Uh, after restricting download speeds in Europe as an effort to help reduce strain on internet, PlayStation have announced plans to extend that into the U.S. as well with more and more people using internet than as usual with work-at-home orders and lockdowns. PlayStation follows other companies who have taken steps to reduce their impact, such as Netflix, who have lowered everyone's streaming quality and of and other internet-heavy services also doing similar steps. Lastly, and a little, not sad, but just one of those interesting things where you don't realize that 14 years has passed and then bam, bam, 14 years later. Story um, of my life. PS3, uh, as it continues to age and presumably online usage slows, PlayStation have announced that starting June 30th of this year, players on PlayStation 3 will no longer be able to message PS4 or PS Vita players. They will still be able to send messages to other PS3 systems and players, though. But, of course, I wonder how long Sony will let even that take place. Um, 
and I guess more of the reason is I wonder why is do they you know is it separate servers that are set up for this? One of the reasons I think this is happening is that at least the Vita and the PS4 could both receive picture messages of screenshots. Yeah, PS3 could not. <laughs> so I wonder if it's just like PS3 was already the outlier and it couldn't uh, party chat with PlayStation 4, but the Vita can. I could see it being that. I could see it being essentially that. Hey. It's already so disconnected. Why not go ahead and completely disconnect it? Um, but at least it's still around. Because, you know, most of the PlayStation 3's online games are sadly shut down. Yeah. So what do you really need to message for? Uh, it, or at least why do you need to message PlayStation 4? So, hey, you got till June. If you got any friends that are still, for some reason, only on PlayStation 3, start messaging them on PlayStation 3 and say, hey, buy a PlayStation 4. <laughs> Or just get a PlayStation 5. Uh, anyway, that is the end of all I got for news. Uh, there wasn't much going on there. So that gets us to the most important part of the show. And as a thank you for letting us do this for three years, like I said, no better idea in my mind than to have us come back with an impromptu reader mail as the main topic. And it was a great D compression from last week's Real Tech Heavy episode. So I'm going to start this off. As it needs to be. Mr. Sean One Neo, no fate, one of our patrons and one of the people who has asked for Reader Mail to come back and said it was his favorite segment. One of our most active Reader Mail askers. Yes, he was uh, and still now is. He says, this one versus many genre seems to be coming becoming more popular. Did you check out Predator Hunting Grounds or briefly try Resistance? So the uh, RE Resistance is the little online component to Resident Evil 3. Yes. And it was in beta this weekend i think or a demo or something um i did not try it and i did not get to try predator hunting grounds either i have actually not played any of this one versus many i haven't played any of them at I, all i am not a fan of these games because i played dead by daylight when it was free I, I don't i don't really enjoy these kind of games mm -hmm. for some reason uh even though they're multiplayer and I, I tend to like those um yeah, it's just I don't really have any interest in trying anything. Um, but Evolve coming back is the most outlandish thing I've ever heard. Oh, so I guess I should say the rest of it. Uh, he says, the reason I asked this is, would you like to see Evolve learn from their mistakes, take inspiration from more successful titles, and make a comeback? They could. I would really like to see a AAA games as a service that has like a, a really good collection system or just a really something that would want you to keep playing. Um, the game that it might be better now, but I doubt it. Uh, if it is, let me know. Um, but it's uh, uh, oh, the uh, sword fighting game made by Ubisoft. Oh, uh, for honor, for honor. Yeah, that game. I was so excited for that game, and it just looks like the community doesn't play it anymore. Now, was for honor a one versus mini game? No, but no, but it's it's one of those games that I can compare to that like that. I don't really have any interest in playing because it doesn't have a. It doesn't seem to have a very popular and or active uh, base. And that's kind of how I view this like these. There's not a reason for me to play them because I know the player base on these are actually probably uh, uh, alive. But um, it doesn't sound like there's anything you can collect. It doesn't sound like there's a reason to keep coming back and playing them other than the actual gameplay. Sure. And Which, so I mean, I, I, I'll give credit to them. A game should make you want to come back and play primarily from gameplay. But a progression system that continues to pull you in is a big reason. And yeah. that's always what I talked about. It's part of the reason that the other Call of Duties never quite pulled me in for online the same way that Advanced Warfare did, because it seems like a weird thing. But I feel like Advanced Warfare's gear system, on top of their normal um, 
unlocking guns at certain levels and then being able to prestige and keep those and continue going. I always thought that that was of all of the ones I've played so far, the most compelling online progression system. So there is something to a progression system on top of an active player base that does make you want to play a game longer because even if you love a game's gameplay, it doesn't mean that it won't start to wear on you. If you feel like you're doing it for no gain. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, and that's, that's one of those gameplay loops for me that, now there are so many good uh, games of the service, and if if I'm not trying to play games as a service, there's Final Fantasy XIV online. So there has to be a reason for me to enjoy these games to come back to them, so that they don't get beat out by others. Sure, I think I will say this of of them all. I think that most of the games that have done this, and I think the the most popular one being, of course, Friday the Thirteenth. I think that was the one that really struck people. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth and Predator Hunting Grounds. To me, these are great usages of this style in terms of them being a licensed franchise. I don't know how you make a compelling Friday the 13th game other than this, because yeah. this is what the movie essentially is. Predator, same thing. Why worry about putting a story in and, and trying to play a story in a very weird way, when really what you could do is tap into what the real strength of the movie is, and that is the feeling that you are being hunted by a higher being, and it's many of you being hunted and you're having to work together to take it down. Uh, I mean, that that is a smart use of those franchises. As for Evolve... I almost wonder if Evolve was just sometimes, and, and Evolve was not for me. I did that's the only one that I technically did play, um, and it, I don't even think about it the same way. I didn't play it much either. Um, Evolve. I wonder if it was just a situation of being ahead of the game, ahead of the curve, and being this first kind of game at a point where no one saw the merit. No, that 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 was a game that sold weapon skins for dollars a piece. That's oh, just... I know that it had other problems. Oh no, yeah, I was gonna say that. That's, that's... I, I do know it had other problems, I but I, what I mean idea... is, even the base game. I remember hearing people be like, ah, "I just don't care for the idea," and now it seems like some of the same people that I've heard be like, "Ah, I didn't care for Evolve's gameplay style," have then moved on to really like Friday the Thirteenth and are excited for Predator Hunting Grounds. So I, I feel like sometimes games come out, and that happens in all mediums, movies as well where they're ahead of the curve, they do something that at the time doesn't make sense, but then later comes it gets, it gets done in a slightly different way, and then everybody's kind of like, oh, yeah. I get it. Yeah, and I, think, I honestly think Evolve was an inspiration for these games, too. Yeah. because Before Evolve, can you think of another game that was similar to this? No. Yeah, I, I, I can't really at all, either. Um, yeah, and, so. and I think they call it what, even though I hate because they use that terminology for other things, but they call it asymmetrical multiplayer, which I yeah. get, because really it is asymmetrical. It's one person versus four people. It's just weird. I don't like that name. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for the question, man. I don't know. I think Evolve could come back. And I think that if it was ever going to come back, now would be need to be the time to try it. But I think that they did, if I remember. I think that they tried giving the game out and changing a bunch of stuff with one final update. Oh, dude, I think I think Evolve is free. Like even I now, think you're right. Or yeah. It might be. Um... Or it's just super cheap one. But I do remember it having an announcement where they were trying to do something with it. Uh, Turtle Rock, though, was such a well-known studio just all because of um, the, oh, how am I forgetting the name of the game? Left 4 Dead? Uh, that it was weird to see them stumble so hard. And we haven't seen a game from Turtle Rock since. Yeah. So, But now they're coming back with another Left 4 Dead-style game, if I'm not mistaken. So maybe they're going to return back to what people liked about them. Uh, next question, though. Uh, one of our patrons as well, Mr. Derek... Uh, he says, what topic discussion stands out as your favorite or resulted in the best show in your opinion? Any episode that we do live streaming reactions for. 
E3 episodes pretty much are okay. always my absolute favorite because it's there's live interaction. There's the cool thing that you guys get to see our reactions uh, for things that are revealed. And then it's just the most kind of like chillest uh, form of the recording. There's no worrying about a topic or worrying about anything. It's just kind of go with the flow that the, that the show gives you. Sure. And I always look forward to those. Uh, if you had to think of one that you can remember, because uh, I, I get that, but let's as the other side of the question uh, resulted in the best show in your opinion. I think I honestly think that 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 did result in the best show, like because because not only do the reactions work and if people are on the Twitch or talking to us and we're talking to them, but then we get that okay. really in depth discussion about how the things were after the fact. Well, because we'll sit there for. 20 minutes yeah and, and talk about how the conference was it's weird we that we about it. haven't gotten to really do that because things have been cut down so much it's well like, that's the thing is that yeah. like um e3 is not gonna be a thing this year and like that's one of the reasons i was so sad i was like yeah like you guys may say it's useless but like that's there's fun in that even, no, if, there is. even if we don't even if you don't live stream and record it there's fun in these announcements yeah and and of course now that we do this i don't get to do it anymore but i used to love going to channels that i liked and watching along with them oh because easy there allies. is something to that yeah, yeah watching easy allies every year like like I, now i'll go back and watch their reaction afterwards where i yeah. used to do it real time but right you know, yeah and, and i'll i'll we'll we'll do our reaction and then like the next day or two when the uh, easy allies uploads theirs i'll go look at theirs and see like well what did they react to that we reacted to differently and stuff yeah, yeah. uh for me i think uh i do like the the laid back uh styles that we've done and actually i just didn't have time and it does take a little bit more it's been a while since we've done it and i've moved stuff around in the studio here i really wanted to see if i could make this episode for three years be a live streamed episode it just was going to take more than i was able to do right now uh, but we may do a live streamed episode soon just because with all the quarantine stuff going on it would just be a fun interactive way to kind of get to talk to everybody um but um i think for me i know that this is just a natural thing between me and saul we have a very different take on what i i like the free-flowing thing as well but i don't care that we do the show in a structured manner where i know that saul he doesn't care that we do it in a structured manner but he prefers a more laid back episode yeah like i would prefer the show to be a um an entirety of us just talking and hanging out as opposed to going from community to to news to kind of kind of more going across all that more casually yeah and i think that that was one of the goals earlier this year as you've noticed with the last couple of episodes that we really tried to hit a balance between those two a little bit more i think i mean i, I don't you can i can't speak for you but i feel like the last couple of episodes have gotten more to what you're liking yeah. we're not overly focused on one thing we're just using the news as the overall topic of discussion and it does create a little bit less of a structured thing uh, but my uh, discussion favorite that I have, that was a hard one to think because we, we've done this for so long that you start to press out things that you have and have not talked about and discussed. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things, I, I, I tend to like it when Saul and I have just an innate disagreement about something, not because of the fact that we get into a super argument. I think that me and Saul re normally remain relatively cordial uh, in our disagreements. Yeah. Even though they can obviously get heated sometimes. But... I do like that 
the, the, the inquisitive nature that comes with such heavy disagreements where you have to, it's like we both try and understand each other's disagreement. It's like, well, why do yeah. you feel that way? Those are probably my favorite ones. And as the actual discussion that stands out, that was one of my favorite and just lended itself to a really good topic episode that I just thought was fun and engaging was what we'd like to see Sony do if they came back with another handheld. It was just a fun episode and it was kind of like, we don't think it's going to happen anyway. So why don't we just kind of throw our wildest dreams out? That was an out? old episode too. Yeah, it's, that was it's like really old. 50 or less. <sighs> yeah. I think you're right. So that's it's been two years ago, probably. Yeah. Um, though you know, I'll, I'll leave it to you guys. Of course, I feel like we've gotten better with the show, uh, but of course, you guys who have been listening for two to three years or have maybe went back and listened to all of our episodes can tell us whether or not we've gotten better or worse, or just different and not necessarily a better or a worse way. Uh, but thanks, Derek. Appreciate you, man. Thank uh, you. Thank you. Let's see. Over on, I'm going to switch it up and go to a different one real quick. Over in the Discord, we have Blaze2102. He says, if COVID-19 isn't under control soon, do you see a delay of the PS5 into 2021? Absolutely. We talked about this technically a little bit earlier uh, on accident. I didn't know this was... Uh, but yeah, I, I really think that despite both Xbox and PlayStation kind of continuing to say that you're going to get it holiday 2020... I do feel like there's a chance that this that both systems may end up in the switch territory of releasing in a March window. Xbox even doubled down this past week and said that guys, don't worry, it's still coming mm-hmm. this year. And it's like, well, like, yeah, that that's that's going to be one of those things though. That like, is that going to force Sony to keep their launch date, or is Sony going to go ahead and push it off? My thing is, is that. I would almost hope we would have a vaccine for COVID by next year. So I would you, too. you go get it like a flu shot and you'll be done. And then that way, everything that holiday next year will be fine. There'll still be people who don't get it. And there'll still be people with cases, but it'll still be, it'll, it won't have, it won't come to this. And I do think that um, if Microsoft stays the same, that's going to put Sony in this weird thing of like, well, we could release on time and may, and may risk not having as many sales because not many people are going to be going out and getting it. You know, GameStop may, if like, you know, may not even be open if COVID comes back around in fall of next mm-hmm. year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think it really does come down to if this will, it, like which one will do it first, which one announces first. And then we go off that. The only thing I'd say is I can't see this getting delayed too much because of the fact of how consoles are. You don't want to lose a year of technological advances because that will render your console like less of a, of a technological feat than it was. Now this generation, the PS4 and the Xbox one, neither of them are really too impressive if you really think from it from a tech standpoint. But one of the most exciting things about both PS5 and Xbox Series X is that in different ways, both of them are being technologically a lot more powerful yeah. in different ways uh, th- than what you normally see. This is kind of a renaissance of consoles actually being surprisingly capable machines. Uh, I mean, no, no hate on the PS4. Clearly, we've seen some great games come out of it. Um, but it was already outdated tech when it came into the system. But it also came in the system at a time when people thought games were dying, as we've mentioned a lot here, and that phone gaming was going to be uh, the way of the future. Clearly, we know that's not true. Um, there's other things that technically threaten that now where people will say, well, streaming games will be the way of the future. And we won't know for sure if that's the truth until it happens, realistically. Uh, so right now, I'm just I'm glad to see that. But I could see it being pushed, but I don't see it being any pushed any further than March of 2021. And the only reason I really see it being pushed, even Microsoft saying that, Hey, 
don't worry, guys. It is coming this year. That's easy to say, but they cannot control if somehow China tomorrow breaks out with another big, big version of the virus. Something crazy happens and the production gets even more slowed down. Just because you say it's still coming this year doesn't mean you can control what production, what happens on the production end. Well, Foxconn could crazily burn down tomorrow. Then what happens? Does Microsoft have any production in the United States? No, no, they're, they're all from Foxconn. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, to answer um, Derek's secondary question to that, uh, when he initially asked us what topic stands out as your favorite or resulted in the best show, uh, he he goes on to ask us what is our favorite game in the past three years. Oh, Dark Souls, Dark Souls three, easy. Dark Souls 3 is your favorite of the last three years? Absolutely. I'm not surprised. You've played that game more than anything. Yes. It's Dark Souls 3 and then Nier. But I think Nier technically is not in three. In years. three years? Yeah. Didn't that game come out in 2015? I thought it was 17. Uh, you sure? Yeah. It was the same year as uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Ooh, yeah, February. Okay. So yeah, Nier, um, Nier and that, Todd. Yeah, Nier Automata is definitely it. Uh, but just to throw another game out there that I do think was really great uh, and, and just, I don't want to say it surprised me, but in, in a way it kind of did. God of War. I, I know that that's a, such an easy game to go to, but the reason I specifically say that it surprised me is that I was a little worried being the longtime God of War fan, even though I didn't really vocalize it all that much, that they weren't going to be able to tap into what made you already love the franchise while also still doing something new. Yeah. And they did it so well that that game is, it stands on its own little mountain of the series. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's of course some other shout out games that, I mean, there's plenty of games I've loved, but it has been a while since I feel like a game has taken me so much by surprise. <coughs> Excuse me. To the same extent of something like Terraria or Rune Factory. Because Saul can be uh, attest to the fact that both of those games had, within like a couple of months period, 200 plus hours in both yeah, games probably. Yeah, Rune Factory 4 for both of us, I think, was that really surprising game of like, we didn't expect it to be as good as it was and spend as much time as we did into it. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, one other game that really had that effect on me, uh, and I know you know it because I, I wouldn't shut up about it at the time, uh, was the return to um, the Tales series over here with Tales of Zelia. The first Tales oh, yeah. of Zelia game just, I mean, it took me, and it's like I could not stop playing it. And Ooh. while there's been plenty of games like that, none of them have been as long or surprised me as much, where I had little to no information on them, and then suddenly I just decided on a whim to grab it, and it changed my life, essentially. And we're supposed to get another Tales game this year. Bang bang! We this are. is going to be the year of the JRPGs, and it looks like a Tales game that's actually going to do something to change the franchise. Yeah, it does. It looks so really good. good. Uh, yeah, that's a good question, uh, Derek. If you would be so inclined, I'd be interested to hear what your favorite of the last three years is. I know that you're a huge Borderlands fan, uh, but I wonder if it, it, I, I feel like it's not Borderlands three, even though I know you love the game. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if you end up hearing that. Um, let's see. Saul, you want to grab another one or what? Sure. Uh, Shane, our good buddy Wayne, he says, Shane, no, Shadow, our good buddy Wayne. I put Shadow and Wayne together. Um, is that how Shane became a name? Anyways. That's a good um, question. <laughs> what made you start the show? Um, so he asked He asked us three questions, but we'll kind of break them down. Um, we, we've said it multiple times, like in our friend group, but like we would always have these long, drawn out discussions about games and stuff. And we were always like, well, this would be cool if like other people could hear this. And 
there was a, t- a point in time that we were talking about it and we made the YouTube channel and then uh, like two years went by, I think, and, and we didn't ever do anything about it. I had a kid. I'll be the first yeah. to say it went from, hey, we have a room that we could do this into, oh, well, I'm having a kid on the way. And all the plans kind of went along because none of us knew what having a child actually meant. Yeah, like that, that was the first of yeah. us, all of us in our friend group to have a child. Yeah. Um, but then the whole thing was kind of funny happened and we were like, you know, it's kind of cool to see the community impact that this has happened. It'd be kind of cool to have a community like this for us. And we always talked about it. We have a YouTube channel. I think literally, if I remember correctly, me and you were on your stoop. Stoop kid, afraid to leave a stoop. And... um I think I even brought it up. I'm like, well, this would be a good time to do the podcast now. And within like two hours, you had ordered uh, microphones or something like you did something. And you're like, we're going to start next weekend. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Camera. I bought camera. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> Dang. Like that was real fast. That's right. Because we did use a single sure uh, back then for our first microphone. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's pretty much it. Like we wanted to eventually have a community and we just, you know, we talk a lot about things uh, about games and stuff. Might as well get our thoughts out there. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I definitely agree with Saul. The catalyst for us getting back around to the idea uh, after we realized that me being able to do it with a brand newborn baby was going to be hard was when I finally kind of got to the point where it's like, Oh, my daughter's kind of going now. Yeah. We understand what it's like. I, I can do this. Then we decided to go ahead and start because uh, she was almost two at the time that we started the show off. Um, and now she's about to be five. So, yeah, um, the catalyst was definitely the show that we primarily watched at the time, uh, I think, was, was kind of funny. And it's interesting yeah, we, how yeah. much – no, hate. it's interesting how much they've fallen out of my life. Oh, yeah, dude. I th- There was a point in time <clears throat> every single day – Every day I was watching the kind of funny morning show. Something kind of funny show, the podcast. It was one PM here. Yeah. And I would always watch it, um, or listen to it. And then now it's just like they've they've strode it's like Rooster Teeth in a way. They've strayed so far from what I originally loved them for. Like going back to the old game over Greggy where they literally have like a, a vinyl wall behind them yeah. and it's Tim and Greg and um call uh who is Colton? Um uh, Colin. Colin. Uh and then of course um Ooh, Nick, Nick. Yeah. Um, that, that content right there, I'll still go back and watch those old episodes, but it's nothing like what they do now. And rooster teeth. I still, to this day, watch every podcast they make. Um, that's all I watch of them though, where I used to be red versus blue all day, every day. I used to love the content they'd make on the side. Now it's all just the podcast. Um, but he goes on to ask us, where did you like to see the show in the next year or so? Uh, I'd like to see it recording from my home <laughs> or Brett's home. Uh, that I'd like, you know, we always joked that this could become a full-time job and I'd like for that to actually happen. <laughs> um, I doubt it. I'm doubting it's going to happen. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, and not, it's just, and I'll say clearly, I mean, I, I'm I'm not under the impression that we're just some super amazing podcasters. No. I think we do this and we have a fun time. Yes, uh, and I think that we're at least competent at it. Uh, but really, there's so much competition in this space that it's hard to do this in a way that's going to make money. And because of that, I think part of the reason is that because of the fact that we have other jobs and other responsibilities that are just very time consuming, it's kind of hard to make all the time needed to do all the things I'd want to do with this show. I mean, in a realistic sense. What I'd love to, out of the show and out of Nartech as a whole, 
is to just be doing more of this with more of my time. But that requires me to have a completely different income situation. And right now, with everything happening with COVID, uh, my wife, for sure, she just uh, got laid off. And uh, now they've closed hair salons. And I didn't know she got laid off. Yeah, she got laid off from her other job that she had, her oh, part-time one. Yeah. And then, of course, they've closed salons and stuff. So we're at a standpoint where the only income we have coming into the house is mine. And that puts a little bit more impotence on me to not leave the house and do a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with my work because I kind of got to do my work and I can't really stray too far from that because I kind of need to keep making steps forward to make sure I keep an income. Um, but seeing how things go, I would love to get to a point where we can make money doing this um, in, a, in a real way. And really, no no, no shade at all on our patrons. They're fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I know, and I'll go ahead and say it right now, I've been slacking because of just time and everything going on. And right now, of course, with COVID going on, I'm not trying to go out there to do our custom cases. I think that most of you understand that and have been really great, gracious. And I do plan to get caught back up on that. Um, but life only has so much time and it does become a thing. I, I don't know. But I, I'm very appreciative that we don't have to dig out of our own pockets to do this show anymore. I think that's yeah, the thing I'm, that's... I'm, I'm most appreciative of. And I'll say for myself, I can't see me not doing this show as long as we have enough people supporting us to just cover the cost of <laughs> of hosting. Yeah, and and more so for what I meant wasn't necessarily Patreon. Uh, it was also like sponsors and stuff like yeah. that. But because um, I've thought about it before, if I didn't have a job and I had an income, uh, I would probably stream like Monday through Thursdays with like a cool Friday morning stream or something. Um, and then that way I'd have time for my wife on the weekends. And I'd be kind of off and away. But then there'd be like Let's Plays and stuff like that. Because the way I'm doing my next Saw Plays, you can go watch the teaser if you haven't already, um, is that I, I the way I did Dark Souls 3 was uh, every time I was off work, I would record an episode and then upload it because I had set off days back at uh, the place I worked at before now in the middle of the week. So I could, I could record it on a Monday or Friday and then throw it up on YouTube on that Tuesday and be fine. Well, now... I have every weekend off. I'm going to take uh, a chunk of a Saturday and I'm going to literally wake up like I normally do around five or five 30 in the morning. And then I'm going to record the entirety of the let's play all day long. I figure I'll probably be done around noon or one or two at the latest. And then I'll probably come back a couple of days later and just start editing it in chunks. And then that way everything is 100% done May 1st when it goes live and it's there on YouTube uh, every Friday at uh, I think I'm gonna go with 6 p.m. Central, but it's there every Friday, and um, you don't have to worry about it. And even in, even in chunks, I thought about like Monday, Wednesday, and Wednesday and Fridays and stuff like that. But you know, work and stuff. You work 55 hours a week. You come home. You don't want to necessarily do stuff like that or stream or even like people don't realize it. But like coming over here to record, like I got over here. At like right after one, I probably won't get home at three, but you're only going to see an hour and a half long episode. It's because we talk about the episode first and then we, we hang out generally. Um, but it's a little bit more time consuming than people can lead to believe. He then asked, do we consider playing JRPGs? Uh, th no, I've never have, but this year looks like a good one to start. Well, I guess to me, it's like, what do you mean by JRPGs? Because I've played them and I play them. I just do so 
it's I'm not is Dark I Souls is considered a JRPG. Is, well, yeah, it's like I played Yakuza. It's fantastic. Is Yakuza not a JRPG? Well, see, that's the thing is I, I can't tell if he's joking or if he's just asking. Uh, <clears throat> I think what it, he may be meaning like more niche stuff, like something like the Atelier. Um, I mean, he could, yeah, the Atelier, I, whatever games. I can't I, think of the name of it right now, or, or, or deeper stuff like even Persona. And uh, I mean, Saul's I love played Persona. Some Persona. Yeah, I um, love Persona. Um, I never played Outlier before, but um. Yeah, like uh, the more niche stuff. If you have a recommendation, let us know because I'll certainly check it out. I like, I like JRPGs, and if it's something on Switch, you get bonus points. Yeah, it's, I guess it just comes down to what is a JRPG. Because I mean, like, I guess it's got to be more RPG like. But I feel like Yakuza is pretty RPG heavy. So I just recently played that. Uh, well, that's of course I have plans to play the new Tales game, which looks fantastic. Yeah, like Octopath. I'm, pl- I'm currently playing Octopath. Yeah, I played Octopath, and I feel like that definitely Bravely Default, Rune Factory Four, all these. I like. Yeah, I'm so excited for Rune Factory Five. I have made the conscious decision. You're not gonna get four to get to not get four because I'm already hundreds of hours into it. I don't need more. I already know everything there is. They've added a little bit. I wonder how the game actually looks. But I don't want to... It looks pretty all right. I mean, it, you know, it's... Uh, what I'm more curious is what Rune Factory 5 will look like graphically. Uh, because, of course, Rune Factory 4 was dealing with uh, 3DS's limitations, but... Yeah, and I know you can't really do too much to spruce up the way the game looks just because of how the game was made originally for such a... Why did it take me to Amazon? To such a... Uh, uh, a low resolution and stuff. Yeah. So, but I mean, yeah, if you have any more niche ones, like uh, there's games I've been trying to get to, but they're, uh, if you want a real answer from me as to why I, I sometimes just don't, is time. Even Yakuza took a long time. I think I played that game for about 70 hours. And uh, that does look pretty good. JRPGs are normally long winded, and I don't feel like they're always long winded in a way that's, that's helpful why, to the story. Th- that's why I said on the Switch, because then that way I don't have to to exile myself to play a, a yeah. long-winded game uh, in the game room. Yeah. Um, Gideon throws out, damn, time flies. Well done, guys. So thank you, Gideon. Thank you, sir. Uh, I want to make sure we get our one from Patreon over here because I pushed this on everything. Uh, Shadowist that we mentioned earlier, he, he asked, uh, what are the most important things you've learned over the last three years that would help someone start a podcast? Congrats on three years, dudes. Thank you so thank much. You, uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, the upfront costs are not all the costs. <laughs> yeah. That's and we we went we went to HypeCon uh, a year and a half, it was technically two years ago at this point I guess yeah um, and we were talking to people about that and you know the 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 cost of the camera and the microphone is not everything you have to pay for you have to pay for podcasting subscription fees and that can get kind of expensive about one hundred and forty dollars a year for the one we use right yeah the one we were using so we actually this is just a weird thing to get into uh, I think the other and this is actually going to be a a, a tip uh is look at your options for hosting and choose the one that's best for you at any given time and don't be afraid to change uh so i haven't done it yet uh technically for this show but it's about to happen um we're switching our hosts we were on soundcloud which is about 140 a year uh per show so when we were doing dickish at best that was another 140 dollars a year uh now it's pretty much unlimited bandwidth we can upload as much as we want to which is great um but I've just found a new one called Podserve, and we've been—I've been looking at it for about three months, um, <clears throat> thanks to Blake, uh, who is one of our co-hosts on the movie podcast we recently started, uh, Midweek Matinee. If you want to go check that out, it is going. It's got two episodes up for everyone and three episodes up for patrons. Uh, but <clears throat> excuse me, is that on YouTube? No, see, because there's no video element. So yeah. I've chosen currently not to. But if you want to see it on YouTube because you just like getting stuff on YouTube, let me know and I'll consider it. Um, but for starting the podcast, Podserve is $19 a month. 
but it's as many podcasts as you want. So oh, okay. now I can continue without like, having to repay. So even if we don't start, keep doing it, right, right now we're not doing Dickish at best. But if I didn't pay another $140 next year, or technically coming up in a couple, in like a month or two, um, that show would have just been pulled. Now that we're doing it for $19 a month, all three of Triangle Square, Dickish at Best, and Midweek Matinee can all be hosted for that same price. Now, that doesn't mean that $19 a month is going to be great for someone who's wanting to start one podcast and only one. It would technically be cheaper to just do the $140 at SoundCloud. But just look at your options and see what you have across a litany of different hosts. I think the other thing, um, people often have, they romanticize the idea uh, of starting a podcast and what it takes to do it. I think the biggest tip I can really give is that if you're going to do it, know going into it that you're going to be serious about it and you're going to have a schedule that you will stick to as best as you possibly can. And I mean that your schedule is we've not missed. We've not missed on purpose. I should say we've not missed a single episode. We recorded for every episode for every week. Now, a couple of those episodes had audio issues and there's nothing we could do to save them. But in situations like that, there's no real recourse of action. There's not anything we could have done considering that we record so close to the wire, but we've every week we've gotten together. And if we knew we had plans, we've recorded early to work for that. It, it, it's really important that you know that. Uh, and the other thing is uh, listen to the people who listen to the show. Uh, if you are going to do something, you got to be open for criticism and feedback and willing to look and balance what you want out of the show Versus what you're willing to give on that could help someone else and a other group of people and what they want out of the show. But yeah, and I'm not going to throw any shade to anybody or call anybody out. But there are people that I've seen on Twitter say like, "Oh, I'm not going to make a stream today. Sorry, guys, too tired." It's like you manage yourself better because because you know other people are relying on you to watch this and entertain them. And you know even if you're doing it for free, technically you're spending money as well. But yeah, just like be consistent, like eat better, sleep better, you know, do what you can to make your streams and your, your shows that you record because somebody somewhere in the world is waiting on Monday, night at, at 10 o'clock for you to start streaming or, or, or 1am and start streaming or whatever. But then when you cancel it, it's like, well, they've done this three times in the past month and a half now, I guess I'm not going to watch them anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, <clears throat> yeah, just be consistent and be very aware of that. There's background costs that people don't take into effect and don't bite off more than you can chew. Yeah, don't, don't do not go buy five hundred dollar microphones for your first podcast. You yeah. can easily get by with like a, a good uh, USB microphone for like one hundred and thirty bucks. All right, uh, let's see over here on Twitter again. We got Mister Jack Croxall says, "Congrats on an amazing milestone, guys." My question: What do you hope you're talking about on the show three years from now? Elden Ring two. <laughs> I'm gonna go out on the limb. PSV to two, boys. The electric boogaloo. That's that's a big out on the limb. That limb snapped in half. That is really out on the limb. Broke. Uh, more importantly, though, and something I actually do think will happen, um, though I'm curious, I think in some capacity, and 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 I hope that it's in a good capacity that we're that we'll be talking about VR and where it's at. And my hope for it, and I know because Saul is one of the people who's a little bit more of a skeptic, and I think that that's fair. Uh, my hope is that in three years we're talking about VR, not in a sense of it being a gimmick and, a, and something that people are skeptical on, but that it's actually something that even if it's not for everyone, everybody takes it as a serious non-gimmicky thing and that it's 
evolved to the point that everyone can see the clear merit in it and it's not something that's questionable because right now it still remains questionable every day it gets better and better i think half-life alex just reviewed so well uh that it's a good example of showing that vr can be done in a really great way and the new valve index with the finger tracking controllers are a great move forward but there's still more to be done yeah so absolutely all right, uh, let's see. Matt Not Maddie comes back around in the episode says, Congrats, guys. What made you start the podcast? Already answered that one. Also, what was the first game that starting uh, that started your love for gaming? A Link to the Past. Yeah, I think it's funny. It, does this change ever? Uh, but it, I think there's ones that even if you technically played something else that started your love, I always bounce between two. But that's only because the two mean two different things. But if I'm really being honest, the thing that made me get into gaming and want to do it realistically was crash bandicoot that was the thing that really made me be like oh my god i can't see myself not doing this realistically uh so he's like well and it's like well this is for sure a hobby at this point yeah i'm gonna do it the game that pushed me over the edge and just made me be like i have got to find a way to play more games and like see what gaming can do as a medium and really make it a lifestyle at that point was kingdom hearts one I could see that. See, I think A Link to the Past did that both for me because it made me realize that, that there are games that exist like this. Because we had that and then we had Mario All-Stars for Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? This game is telling me something. Like, it's 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 like a movie that I'm watching is what I compared it to when I was younger. And I was like, I don't know, eight or seven. Because um, I was playing it right as it came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, like, you know, this is... Actually, it came out. 19, it came out ninety one, which is the year I was born. Came, I was playing it right as I we got a Super Nintendo, I should say, and the, it kind of all lined up perfectly well for me to play through a link to the past. And then, like two years later, or three years later, this the Nintendo sixty four came out with Ocarina of Time. Donovan, I'm gonna hunt you down. That's not Donovan. <laughs> That's Mister Shoot. Shoop, I'm going to hunt you down. Finish your, finish your, your answer. <laughs> oh, sorry. But uh, Ocarina of Time came out at such a time as well where uh, it, like, it went from uh, uh, Link to the Past to Ocarina of Time. And then Ocarina of Time that same, was the same time period that Pokemon came out and that Majora's Mask was coming out shortly after. And uh, yeah, let's get through this. Okay. Uh, before we get into Facebook. Obviously, we're not getting into <laughs> not even a quarter of those questions. We're going to see. Maybe, yeah, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We're already running up on an hour and a half here. Yeah. But uh, go ahead and, because you have Discord, go ahead and knock out the rest of the Discord ones, and then I'll take over for Facebook. Okay. Atlas Unchained says, first, congrats on your three years, Phil. Thank you, sir. He says, been listening for like a year and a half or two, and it's great. What has been the best game that you guys have played recently? I think we kind of already answered that the past three years, I guess. Recently? What, what, do we want to call it three? Or do you want to, just to answer the question maybe potentially differently, what's the, in a year, what's the last game you've played in a year that just really, mm. what's the best game? Also, he's one of our patrons, so shout yes, out to him. Yes, he is. Um, man, I don't know. Like, that's kind of hard. Like, I'm not gonna lie. For the past is- year, it's been a it's been a good bit since I've really heard you just be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, like it's 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 uh, almost for me. It's kind of like <clears throat> there's just nothing coming to mind. Like, I'm gonna probably say going back through Bloodborne again recently because it's been like renewing my love for Bloodborne. So there's no game that's released in the last year that just really struck you in a, in a, I mean, Astral Chain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll go Astral Chain. Yeah. I, I forgot about Astral Chain. I'll do that. Cause, Cause that I mean, was, that was something that was original. That was like, dang, this is pretty cool. That's one of the only games I can really remember you being 
pretty excited over like not only from being hyped before it came out but being happy with the game when you well, yeah it. i was happy that I, I was not disappointed with the game <clears throat> yeah um i think what about you though uh, i think for me uh within the last year i'm gonna go back to what i what my game of the year was last year just because it really took me off guard it was a game that i thought always looked interesting but i had the and i should know by now i like so many double a games i thought well, this game's probably not going to be that great but a plague tale innocence just really really surprised me and uh i guess that you know earlier i said it's been a while since the game gripped me that hard i guess what i mean is like you know terraria and rune factor and all those games and even the uh, tales of zillia are all very long games that suck you in and because they're so long what makes it surprising is that a game that you had very little information of but went into was able to suck you in for hundreds of hours randomly yeah uh, whereas i will give really good shout out to and i mentioned this in the episode for the game of the year but both of the games that last year that just really took me for surprise even though i had the thought process i had the thought that they might not be that great going into it was a plague tale innocence and greedfall both from um focus home interactive and both were games that simply just denied all expectation and went above and beyond to be such great games for me for the year so uh so i really hope you get back to playing greedfall Maybe, Not that maybe I think day. it's going to be your answer as the best game you've played, but I do think you're, you'll enjoy it. I did enjoy Outer Worlds, which he actually says Outer. he's been playing Outer Wilds and he likes that. So Outer World was pretty good. Yeah. That was actually pretty surprising. It felt it felt Those good. two games' names were killing I me for about it. a week. Yeah, I, but it felt really good getting him back to an RPG like that. Um, yeah. But he said he liked Outer Worlds because you get to explore an interesting solar system in a very unique world. I actually really want to pick that game up soon. Um, yeah, the Outer Wilds looks really cool. Uh, and I remember him saying that he loved it. So He, I, he also says <clears> to wash our face and uh, or wash your hands and don't touch your faces with everything going on. So. <laughs> yeah. uh, El Chabib comes in and says congrats on the three years. Thank you, sir. He goes on and asks, when you started the podcast, did you anticipate yourselves reaching this milestone? Um, I never think that kind of far in the future about stuff like this. I should say for me, I had no anticipation. I had no thought that I wouldn't be doing it. I had no intention to stop doing it at some point. No, so I yeah. guess I technically did, but I wasn't like, we're going to be doing this in three years. It was more of like, well, I'm not going to stop doing it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like just unless go some crazy external force happens. You know? Yeah. But uh, uh, what were your thoughts when you first started the podcast? Um, I, we kind of briefly touched <laughs> on that, but it, it, you know, it's kind of just more of we want a cool community and and seeing how the well the first episode did, um, and you know that was kind of cool and fun, and we saw familiar faces from people around Texture Canada that we knew uh, coming sure. in and liking it and talking to us about it, so it was fun. What I'll, I'll so starting the podcast, let's say the first ten episodes. How did you feel just about doing a podcast and how did you feel about how competent we were? I mean, I thought it was pretty fun. Like, especially if you didn't watch the YouTube video, like you watched the audio version, like it was perfect. I will say it's so long ago that I don't think you even remember oh, because, because you're not that now. Yeah. How uh, awkward I was on the mic. Anybody who listens to the show who did not listen to the first probably 20 episodes. Go watch them. Go back and watch them just for me. Go watch them, but also go listen to them and yeah. see uh, Saul coming before this. I don't think Saul really had any kind of a, and this is different because it's in a camera. The camera is audience, but it's that you, the camera is just the, it, it's like, it's representative of all the people who are yeah. going to actually be hearing you and seeing you. Um, 
But prior to this, Saul had like no real stage experience that I'm aware of. So for me, it was a little easier coming in. For Saul, being in front of a camera was like... No, it wasn't the camera. It was the mic. It was like making sure... I had to constantly focus that I was talking into the mic sure, correctly. Sure. So that threw me off. I guess both of them together is what I was thinking. No, uh, yeah, the camera anybody, didn't bother me at all. I, I probably have it somewhere for anybody. You can kind of see it in the first episode. No, you have to, you have to pay $100 to see that. <laughs> is that Saul... Saul seemed like a news anchor. Uh, yeah, actually, one of our buddies, uh, he actually, A, did not recognize me because I had looked so different since he had last saw me, but B, he said I would really be really good in news before he realized that's who I was. Yeah, it, the way that Saul did everything was like a news reporter telling you his, like, telling you a script, and it was not scripted is the weird thing. Like, we weren't coming in with exact notes of what we were going to be reading off. Yeah. It was just Saul's posture. So, I mean, and, and even for me, I mean, it's because it was different. I was used to playing in front of uh, in front of crowds for bands, for being in a band, but this is different. Uh, so, yeah, I think it was pretty interesting. The first the first 10 days, it was cool that we got the reaction we did. I think that, that was really the, the, the biggest thing for us is starting a podcast can be hard and maybe we just started it at the right time in terms of getting eyes on us but it wasn't long i mean within the first 10 episodes we were getting 100 watches minimum yeah per episode which was really surprising um just to put that in context right now and this is not some amazing number but i'm very proud of it nonetheless every episode we make gets at least within about a month period as some people have to play catch up within about a month we get at least about 700 to 750 listens it's not a lot but i mean it's enough and it's consistent and i think that's the biggest thing uh each one of our episodes pretty much hits that now there's some outlier episodes that go higher but you know really it's there's no episodes that go lower the craziest thing for me was that even reader mail got almost consistently almost 300 listens yeah yeah, Reader Mill was really well liked, and, and that was just like Dick and Shit Bassword. That's my favorite format to record with, like where it's just very mm-hmm. casual. Last one on Discord, we have our good buddy Sean Rude Cold, who is also a patron. He says, Three years, uh, congrats, guys. Think I've been listening for at least two and a half of them. Thank you, sir. He says, What has been your favorite gaming announcement since the podcast started? Ooh. That's a good one. I still think that I will go back to. Um, Shadow Colossus when we watched it on reveal. That's actually mine. Yeah, and, and I was. It, it was so unexpected that we were like, we were like, what is this? Like, I was like, this is like Demon Souls, is it? And then like all of a sudden, like we saw the bridge. And I'm like, oh, Shadow Colossus. Yeah. And it was something that's there for everybody to witness, like our raw reaction yeah. to, which I think adds yeah. more importance to that. I guess it's because of how much it caught us off guard. It yeah. really must have been because I know both of us were immediately like, "No way!" Yeah, because like we were watching, like, "What is this?" And then all of a sudden, we saw the, the familiar architecture of that bridge in the game, and we were like, "No!" I was yeah. like, "That ain't Shadow of the Colossus, is it?" And then like, because I, I was not expecting that at all. And even that weird thing, and I know that this isn't what it would have been. But it's like your brain goes a mile a minute when you see that bridge, and you're like, "Is this a sequel? Yeah, is this a sequel? Is this, is this a, a remake? A remake like, or remaster? Because it, when you think about it, Shadow of the Colossus was one of the first real remakes from the ground up remake. Yeah. And so, like, we were thinking, like, that looks good for a remaster, but then what is it? Then you see Whisper cut across the screen, and you're just like, "What is that? What is this? And then all of a sudden, it's like Blue Point, and it's like Shadow of the Colossus, and we're like, holy crap. And you guys can all go witness it for yourself. That was our very first E3 stream. Mm-hmm. And I do think my big thing about that, too, is I think that the way they handled that was so well, and the the 
the what do you even call it? the bar that they set on what a remake should do yeah, was, was amazing was to me really because high. it's everything that I would have wanted. I mean, realistically, it's it's so faithful and true to the original while just bringing everything up in a modern way. And I, I think it's really important because in a society where people are always complaining that movies are constantly getting remade, one of the problems there is that the movies are not getting remade just to look better. They change every other aspect, which is not what happened here. You know, in Shadow of the Colossus, you had all the original voice acting. You had all the original. Everything was really the same. It just happened to look. It happened to leverage modern technology better. Yeah. It, it, Whereas it, it, movies, when they remake them, is like it changes everything. It changes the actor. The actress normally changes the story in some way. This put an effect on it. That it made you realize that is how the game you remember. Yes. And that's but that's not how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go on into Facebook. All right. We're going to, because you're going to have to save that. <laughs> well, I'll have it. I mean, thankfully, Facebook. Uh, Josh, Josh and Donovan, you both are limited to three questions per post from here on out. <laughs> Only y'all two, but yeah, limited to three questions per post. We're going to knock a couple of them Did out. he copy and paste this from another website? This ain't real. There's 50 questions. But we're going to, I'm going to choose. Or, or hold on. Is he wanting us to do that as lightning questions like we used to? Some of them, I think, are maybe, well, we can do that. Let's, let's attempt that and see. Okay. What's your favorite game of all time? Links of the Past. Near. What's a game that you thought you'd actually, that you'd like, but you actually hated? Halo 5. Too human. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> what's a really popular game everyone seems to love, but you don't like? Halo 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Halo, uh, Halo, Halo Reach, actually. Everybody loves that game. I hate Halo Reach. Oh, the campaign's fine. The rest of it's terrible. Uh, you know, I'm gonna throw a, a slightly different one there. Uh, um, how am I forgetting the name? Okay, it's it's escaping me. Hey, hey, I was gonna say Halo Three. <laughs> uh, what's a game that you didn't expect to enjoy but ended up liking? Near, uh, near uh, Automata. Ooh, because um, it took me three times to enjoy it, or three times to click. Hmm. Tales of Zillia. I'm going to go back to that one because okay. that's technically, I was really taking a chance on it. Uh, what game have you spent the most amount of hours on? Dark Souls 3. Terraria. <laughs> if you had to marry the last video game character you played, who would it be? My character from Dark Souls 3? No, my villager from Animal Crossing. I played that this morning. I didn't play Dark Souls 3 today. I'd be marrying Ash, who is an underage kid in Genie, Concrete Genie. I don't like that answer. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, if you had to live in a world of the last video game you played, what would it be? Animal Crossing. Live in Denska of Concrete Genie. Have you ever had a crush on a video game character? Legend of Zelda from Ocarina of Time. Dude, absolutely. When I was eight years old. Laura Croft when I was young. She was ooh, she was slim thick, if you know what I'm talking about. Um, but more recently, I, I got a soft spot for uh, 9S. The Firekeeper from Dark Souls 3. Or 2B, sorry, not 9S. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, shout out to 9S. He's also a fantastic character. Yeah, he is one of my favorite uh, gaming characters. I, I had a crush on him in the sense of, uh, like, the <laughs> that's my homeboy right there. He's really cool. <laughs> Have you ever had a, let's see, uh, what was the first game you ever remember playing? Uh, Link's of the Past. Chuck Rock 2, Son of Chuck on the Sega Genesis. Have you ever pretended to be sick to get out of something so you could play a game? Uh, no, actually. I don't think I did. Uh, oh, I totally have. I've, I uh, faked sick so I could wake up and play skate when it launched uh, I, I played I, it the whole night before but the next day i was like well i'm gonna go ahead and skip school and play some more i might have overplayed something with the intention of staying home but i don't think i've ever just out lied to play sick from not from from that okay i played sick and, and, and did school for other things not games though what game did you last complete dark souls 3 
Mm. Wolfenstein 2. Oh, no, Donut County, technically. What game are you playing right now? Animal Crossing. Concrete Genie. What game do you want to play next? Uh, Elden Ring. Final Fantasy 7. In your opinion, what is the best game's console? I mean, PS4 right now. I think he means in, in general, across all the years. Oh, PS4. You got Nier 2, you got Bloodborne, you got Dark Souls 3. Got, you got that, technically both Last of Us coming. That one's genuinely hard. Final it's Fantasy between Seven. PS3 and PS4 for me. Uh, are PC gamers really superior to console players? Nobody's superior to anybody in terms of any game. Correct. What's your opinion on Fortnite? Yeah. Uh, I don't care about it, but I, I don't hate it either. Have you ever watched a Twitch stream? Yes. Yes. Uh, no, it's not normally my thing. Have you ever streamed yourself on Twitch or YouTube? Yes. Absolutely, we have. Have you ever used a walkthrough? Yes. Yes, actually. I have indeed. Uh, I try not to. I really try and play games as I use walkthroughs for 100%, or I used to. I don't do it anymore, but I used to. Like, when, I, when I beat a game, I go back in 100% with a walkthrough. I found that fun flipping hmm. through pages for like stuff like that. What's the best weapon you've ever used in a game? Um, the shovel in Animal Crossing. Interesting. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it, but I was going to joke the shovel in Far Cry because it was actually really fun. You throw it and headshot people. Um, actually, my favorite uh, gun, and because it was just really cool, is the uh, auger from Resistance series where it could shoot through walls and, shoot, and put up a shield. I'm actually going to say the, uh, the blood katana, the Shikagi from uh, Bloodborne. Okay, that wink, was 20 wink. of those questions. That's where we're going to cap it off right there because we got a ton from other ones. But to break them off... Donovan. Of course it is. But different ones that we're going to do here. Blake Pope says, favorite actor in a movie you hate? Ron Reynolds, Waiters. I did not know you hated Waiters. That movie's terrible. I I mean, it's not like some pinnacle of movies, but I mean, it's funny. Nah, not to me. I I don't like that. I didn't like it. Ooh, a movie I hate. That's a really good one because... A movie, the one of the only movies I genuinely deep down inside of me hate is Avatar: The Last Airbender, and I don't think there was a single good actor in that movie, the live action movie. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't ever watch it. Good question, but I don't know. I, there's not really a movie I hate that I'm like, but at least it had this person in it. Uh, Josh Ayer says, "Is it Cross or X?" And of course, he's talking about the X. PlayStation button. Uh, X. I I know that it's not. But, but it is. I can't refer to it as anything but X. And I know that's weird because cross is a shape and the rest of them are shapes. Uh, he says, what do the face buttons represent? Now, I, I actually think I remember some of this. The idea for each of the shapes was to correlate to something. So I think that they wanted each button to uh, go to something. So hitting circle was always supposed to be that you approve of something while hitting X was supposed to be that you did not approve. Of yeah. Because so that's why those became forward and back specifically. in yeah. Japan. Um, some titles even use that in America for PS2 and Vita and stuff like that. And sure. I think PS3 even had one. Or two yeah. Played. Uh, I can't remember what triangle and square are. I think maybe it was supposed to be like something that you do with your legs versus something you do with your arms. It's really hard to remember. Cause it was, they were trying to look at it like from how you'd make decisions in the world versus how you would, how you would interact with a 3D world. AKA they spent way too much time thinking about the damn buttons. <laughs> but at the same time, I appreciate that. As good I as that is. <laughs> Going back to the tips of what uh shadowist question was about starting a podcast. My thing is, I always personally think you should put more into it than you think is really necessary. And I know Saul can tell you I'm the king of overdoing stuff that he probably looks at and says, I see no real gain from this, but I do. No, it's not, it's not, I, it's, it's everybody will see no real like difference in that, but then he, he has to put his finish to touch on it, make it perfect. I do. And I don't, I'm not saying that it is necessary, but I do it. It's a perfectionist. We just say it easily that way. I I am. Uh, what is the most underrated PlayStation game of any generation? And this is also from Josh Ayers, one of our patrons. Thank you, sir. 
I'm going to go with War of the Lions. I feel like Ooh. I feel like that's kind of underrated. Do we call that a PlayStation game? I'm fair with that because yeah, it's, it's not on any other system. Game. Yeah, well, technically it's that's PSP one. Well, yeah, but still, it's, but yeah. it's the same thing. Yeah, and it wasn't on any other console besides PlayStation. Yeah, because when you look back at PlayStation One, I don't think that game was received that well. I think it was, but I don't think that it's maybe by I don't think it's group. revered as well as it should have been. But yeah, maybe so. I think that's a good should, way. To there put should it. be more tactics. If this guy could keep coming out with great games, then why can't Final Fantasy? Mm. The tactics specifically. Mm. <laughs> the Order eighteen eighty six. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Enrique Gonzalez, Miss Kiki, one of our other patrons, he says, "What launch games do you want on PS5 and why?" Ah, uh, that's a question I can't really answer. Uh, I don't really know to, like how I, I, Godfall is something I do want, so I'm excited for that. I guess the way I'll put it, I'm gonna break it down into what types Elden, of games. Elden Ring, I guess, like that. I think that's coming this gen, but we don't know. Mm, so maybe. Like El- Elden Ring. Um, I'm gonna kind of say I want at least one new IP. Uh, as much as I don't think everyone else liked yeah. Knack, I actually thought Knack was cool. And my main thing I liked about Knack is that it was them doing a new IP right out of the right out of the gate. Whereas Xbox didn't really do that. All of Xbox's launch games were games that you knew. They were known yeah. quantities besides Rise, but Rise was a third party time uh, a third party exclusive, and it was technically a timed exclusive because it was still on PC. So I'll give them credit for at least trying it, but it was Crytek. So uh, anyway. Yeah, from a first-party standpoint, I want to see there be a one new IP at least. Uh, otherwise, I really personally hope, and I know it's going to happen anyway, with these coming for uh, holiday this year, what I think we're going to see is a bunch of... Well, maybe not, because of backwards compatibility. I think what we're going to see is a lot of games that get patches for PS5 day one. So like, if you're playing Call of Duty on PS4, you get a performance patch for PS5 day one so that you can continue playing it on there. Whereas last gen, we saw the PS3 and the PS4, we just saw re-releases with higher resolutions and everything happen on the PS4. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. Um, Past that, I really don't know. I, I would love to see a Kill Zone as a launch title because I think it's fitting, and I would actually love to see the Order as a launch title as well because, again, fitting to expectation. They're not games that are going to sell millions upon millions, but they have a good fan base, and they I want tap Resistance into something interesting. remakes as a launch title. Boy, what remakes? They've, all three of them? Yeah, as they've remakes. All, they've all been teasing it for like Insomniac's been teasing something resistance wise. So I think if it's, 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 if it's a, just a full on remake of Resistance One, I'm down. Or like a remaster of the trilogy for mm. launch on PS5, true mm. 4K textures and everything. Like they, they could do that on PS4 to be fair. But yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. That would be cool. Uh, all right. Josh Drago says, eat turkey spaghetti. It's not really a question, more of a statement. Uh, and I answer Make with, me turkey spaghetti. That's 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 a statement there. I answer with no. That's all I I've can never do had there. turkey spaghetti. So all right. Josh Shoop up here. This is a different question. He says, if you can have dinner with one game industry person, who would it be? What would you eat and what would you talk about? Yoko Taro Sushi. And the future for Nier. Dude, besides sushi, Yoko Taro, and not actually the future for Nier, more than the future for his type of games in general. So Drakengard, uh, I would actually like to see Drakengard come back and see if he had an interest in that. Uh, and if he thinks that he could leverage a new Drakengard game out of Nier's popularity. What would you eat? Um, you know what? With Yoko Taro, if I'm going to be doing something a little different, uh, I- I'm just going to go out on a limb and eat whatever he's eating. I don't know what he eats, but I'm going to assume... I'm not normally a fan of Japanese food. I'm going to eat Japanese food. There you go. Just because. Get in it. 
right, uh, let's see. We're going to do a couple from Donovan here. If we can quick fire him, we will. Uh, this one seems easy, too. Uh, he says, what element would you want from Avatar? What is, like, what, what, I don't understand the question. Wind? Like, would you want air, fire, oh, water, Oh, I earth? never watched air, Avatar. So water, I guess? You bastard. I want fire. Fire's cool. I'll beat you in a battle. Actually, I, I turned that back. Water, because bloodbending is super cool. Uh, favorite band when you were 13? Sum 41. Slipknot. Favorite vacation spot as a child? Late to Grey, I guess? Didn't get to go to vacations, but realistically, I mean, I should say, I didn't... I, I, I'll say... Albert Pike, last four digits of your social security number. Ha, ha, seven, ha, seven, ha. seven, seven, seven. <laughs> How many additional podcasts can you fit in a year? What is that? Like, is, is Depends that? Depends on like, what you mean. Like extra triangle squared episodes or like midweek matinee. Does that count? Because that's going to be a, a lot of. That's an extra podcast. Yeah. That saw plays count because they're all like 40 minutes long. They're not podcasts, but I guess they're they, content. I, I don't, I don't, I don't talk about the game as I'm playing though. I just kind of talk about random things. I do talk about the game every now and then, but like I'll also go off on thing, tangents about other things. Who knows? So uh, they're kind of like a, sol- a solo podcast. Favorite streaming service? Twitch, I guess. There's more. I think he's talking about video content. Oh, I don't know for Amazon sure, Prime actually. Interesting. If they had more, I don't mind it. Netflix is my favorite from a UI and just general content perspective. Amazon Prime has a really, really good variation of things that Netflix does not have, but also you could just rent everything that's new on there. That's true. You do everything all at one. Sandals or Crocs? Uh, the sandals like slip-ons or they flip-flops. It doesn't matter. Honestly, neither. you know what? Fuck it. I'm, I'm old enough. And I just said F-word on Charm Squared. We'll do Crocs. I don't care about what people think. Crocs, cowboy are, Crocs boots, are comfy. Cowboy boots or cowboy hats? Neither for me on on the other question. Well, there's not. You can't say neither, huh, dude? I, Somebody has a gun to your head. They say wear sandals or Crocs. What do you wear? Kill me. I don't. Oh, you, boom. <laughs> cowboy boots or cowboy hats? Neither. If you can answer neither, cowboy hats. So I can just use a ridiculous Texas accent and say stuff like, "Mama said I'm coming home." So I can essentially be Billy Blaskowitz. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say, so you could be Blaskowitz. Mm-hmm. Favorite virus? Uh, a Trojan. <laughs> uh, I'm real partial to the bird flu. <laughs> Favorite quarantined activity? You don't want to hear about that one. No. Uh, best anime moment? I will say the ending of the first episode of JoJo is my favorite right now. Really? Yeah. Okay, I know this sounds weird because it's, it's hard to put it on a moment, but one of the ones that sticks with me because of how cool it was is in the original Full Metal Alchemist when he's fighting greed and he learns that he can mix certain things to break down greed skin yeah. that he has. Dude, that was so cool. It just sticks with me so hard. Actually, I'll, uh, I'll go back to... Father-son Kamehameha was really cool as a kid too. Even though now it's kind of like they do it too much. I'll go I'll go back to a true... Like one of my true things. I'll say that... Um, uh, the whole death sequence for L in Death Note. Yes, actually, that's a really good moment. Uh, man, yeah, that show ends so well. Yeah, too. the ending of Trigun too. Trigun is beautiful. Yeah, the ending oh. of Trigun is really good. Yeah, that's a fantastic show. Uh, best online multiplayer experience: most kills slash most fun. Uh, most fun, probably Destiny Two. For being mm. honest, that's that's mainly fun because of the people I'm playing it with. Kills on three. Football or football? Football, American. <laughs> Uh, football standalone mustache or standalone soul patch standalone mustache soul patch oh you're weird that's it that's it we are done all right guys for the community take this week i got a fun one go for it answer one question that we answered today Ooh, yes give us an answer to one of these questions that we answered and uh that way 
we could see what we could learn more about y'all just like you're learning more about us you have access to them they're on our discord they're on our facebook they're on our twitter they're yep. technically one of them is on our patreon you could just go through the episode and listen to a question as we read it out loud and then type it out and then answer it however you want to uh, do it yeah i'll remind everybody on wednesday to do that uh, if you guys want to know where you can find us, you can find us every Monday uh, on YouTube at 10 p.m. 10 p.m. No, 10 p. No, no, no. 10 a.m. Pacific or noon Central Time, and across all podcast services around the globe. If you find a podcast service that we are not a part of, let us know. That way, we can get on it and uh, leave us a review and a like on the videos. If you do enjoy them, if you don't enjoy them, let us know why. Give it a dislike. Write a one star review. We don't care. Give us some feedback. All feedback is good feedback. And True. yes, we'll see you guys back for episode 157 next week, next Monday, like I said, at noon central on YouTube and across podcast services. I continue my plea to, if you like the show and you find enjoyment in it, find someone that you think would enjoy it and share it with them. Yes. So that, that's where I'm going to leave that. Uh, but now it's time to thank our patrons as we do every week. So thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks to our patrons, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villiobos, Sher- uh, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popst, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Blow, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Brandon Edwards, Sean One Neo, and Tyler Powers. If you would like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving us uh, as little as $1 a month. Thank you. Thank you.